All right, everybody, welcome to episode 42 of the Breaking Balls podcast. There's no race this weekend, just the Super Bowl, but Bob, plenty of NASCAR to talk about because the 8 brought his 9 to Mexico and got himself in trouble with the law. And speaking of crimes, Front Row Motorsports, you're on the stand. Yeah, but Ad, like you said, the Super Bowl's here. You have an enemy that has called you out. Adam O'Fraud, Sam Upman is waiting for you. So let's get into it. There's a debate about to break down. All right, everybody. Episode 42 of the Breaking Balls podcast. It's a loaded one. It's Super Bowl weekend. We're fresh off the clash last weekend. So, you know, Daytona is looming, but add obviously this is Super Bowl week, a big weekend. And I teased it. We'll get to it later. But um, one of our first listeners of this podcast has been listening partially because he hates you. And I got a hold of him. I, I, I have him on the podcast later, so I cannot wait for that. Yes, an absolute treat. Anytime we can listen to a uh, a longtime listener of the podcast, um, we have a wonderful, and I mean a wonderful debate with Sam. We go back and forth. Fly Eagles fly. But you know what, Bob? Before we get into any NFL talk, any Super Bowl talk, it's kind of hard for us because we got our taste of racing, but now it was just an appetizer. There is no race this week. So we've just got news to talk about, but luckily, at least we've got some interesting stories. Um, Starts with, after the clash on Monday, um, we go on to Twitter, see a statement released by Kyle Busch, um, basically apologizing. Hang on, Ad, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, Are you sure that this is not some kind of Groundhog Day simulation type headline, what you're about to read to me? Because it's been multiple days, and I still don't believe that this is real. This... (laughs) It's an interesting one, Bob. So this uh, this sure does feel like a, uh, I, I don't know, if you had this headline in your 2023 bank, um, no, you didn't. But Kyle Bush, who is, I guess, the legal holder of a concealed carry permit, um, accidentally did not secure his weapon properly in Mexico and ended up with a drug charge or a gun charge. Sorry, drug charge is just kind of what I'm used to hearing in Mexico. So gun charge. Uh, Bob, uh, at this point, it doesn't seem like it's a huge deal. It seems like they've kind of got this all taken care of, but obviously anytime you get a story like this, you know, bringing a gun across international lines, it sounds dangerous. It sounds like he's Kyle Bush, the arms dealer. I don't know. It sounds like Lockheed Martin and Boeing are going to be sponsoring the eight car when they get that headline going. But Bob, what, what do you think of the? I mean, what, what did you make of the news when you first got it? We haven't really gotten a chance to talk about this. So interested to hear your reaction. Yeah, it seems like everything's kind of wrapped up. This is kind of water under the bridge now, but it's a wild story. Ad, and there was two takeaways that I had pretty quickly. The first one is, damn, Kyle Busch is going to be pretty competitive at the Chicago street course after all. I'm, I'm pretty impressed to hear that. And uh, second of all, you leave Joe Gibbs, this, you know, family company, this wholesome, you know, they, they do sponsorships on, you know, ethical companies and then Kyle Bush leaves goes to RCR immediately sponsored by CBD cannabis and now getting arrested out of the country for gun charges 
you know, midlife crisis maybe for Rowdy. Maybe he's just living it up, or maybe just some unfortunate circumstances. Regardless, hell of a story to start off the NASCAR season. That was not what I expected when we uh, when we did the podcast on uh, Sunday night after the clash. That's for sure. Of all of the drivers that I would expect to have a you know have a time in Mexico and then be a little bit forgetful going through the airport, father of two, Kyle Busch was not on that list for me. But I mean. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand a lot about the uh, the Mexican legal system. I don't even understand that much about the United States legal system, as is evident by me studying for the bar exam. So, you know, Bob, I, I think that's about all we can talk about this other than just kind of, you know, water under the bridge. We'll see. I mean, it would be kind of hilarious if all of a sudden there was, you know, Mexican police showed up to Daytona and were trying to extradite Kyle Busch. I think that would be a hilarious play, but I, I don't think anything's going to come of it. Hey, Ad. You, yes, Bob. You're you're studying for you're studying for the bar. You know, I'm not going to okay. jinx it here, but when you do become a lawyer, I'm going to manifest it. Would you answer the call if I called you in Mexico and said they found a gun in my luggage? Would you help me? Um, no, because I would have helped you beforehand, and you would have asked me if you should have brought a gun into Mexico, and I would have said no. So. And I still probably would have brought it. Exactly. If you directly did that against, you know, I would help you. I'd help you find a good lawyer. It just would not be me. Because at that point, you're not going to listen to me then. When are you going to listen? If you're not going to listen to me to not bring the gun into the country, Bob, are you going to listen to me because to keep you out of jail? I don't know. What I'm hearing is you're not going to drive from your lovely home in California to the border and drive to the Mexican U.S. Embassy. That's not going to happen. Okay. Good to know. I just need to know about the podcast relationship, how close we are. Noted. I'll keep that in mind for Sam later. Anyway, no, I had there, you know, that was a wild story. <laughs> that was a wild story for sure. But then it got real. It got real on the other side of NASCAR. FRM announced, you know, they had two weeks ago just announced Todd Gillen and Michael McDowell were their full time lineup. Everything was hunky dory. Everything was normal. You wondered, okay, Zane Smith hasn't announced his Daytona 500 ride. They said they're going to get him a couple of seats. Maybe they're going to run third car. No. No, they're going to run a third car once in the Daytona 500 for him. And then Todd Gillen, I hope you can find a seat for six races because that full-time seat's not so full-time, it turns out, after all. Ad, what were your thoughts on uh, front row announcing Zane Smith's going to be run? I believe six six races for front row full-time. This Or not full-time, six races for, full, for front row. So let's talk about it like this. If you're Zane Smith, congratulations, man. This is a great opportunity, you know, this is an opportunity you've been looking for to get in the car at the cup level, six races. This is huge. And now we're going to look at the other part of this, because if you're Todd Gillen, you have every right to be livid with how front row handled this, everything. They completely screwed this up. And the worst part was, is that they just didn't have to. I mean, like you said, two weeks ago, they get out there and they, you know, they say, okay, here's our two full-time drivers. And then it's like, was that not approved within the organization or what's the reason that two weeks ago, these two were full, your full-time drivers. And then all of a sudden Zane Smith is coming in for six races. I mean, did you not believe that you could go out and get Zane Smith? I mean, that's my thing. It just, it, either way, any explanation for why front row handled this the way that they did doesn't necessarily do, do us any good. It doesn't do them any justice because all of them, it means they're inadequate for some reason, whether that be with their communication inside the organization or how they're evaluating talent. That's just not how you do business. I, I felt awful for Todd Gillen. I can't imagine being in that seat, but 
I don't know, Bob, what's, what's your take on it? I just felt terrible for Todd. It's just a bad look, I think, more than anything, just because, I, I mean, we mentioned it when we broke down front row in the NASCAR preview. This 38 car has not had consistency for the last seven years, probably five, seven years. I mean, you, you look at it, they've added, I don't know, Anthony Alfredo did a year as a rookie. They did John Hernemacek as a rookie, I think, in 2019 or 2020. There's just no continuing. There's no continuity here there's no consistency here you get a guy who's young like Todd Gillen he's you know 19 20 years old last year you know same with Harrison Burton these guys are young you're you're throwing them into these seats when they're almost not ready and then when they have not great results you're like oh well they're not performing he's 19 20 years old you're gonna have to mold him into something and if you're gonna rush him like that then give him the time to develop because front row has been notorious for this with young drivers in that second car they're really competitive in that 34. It feels like they're a one-car team that has two charters. I, I don't know if they kind of have a decide there, but you know, with Zane Smith, you know, hottest non-cup driver prospect I think out there. That's not a secret. So, you know, front row is going to do anything they can, and he has the sponsorship backing him. But it's shitty for Michael or for not Michael for Todd Gillen because young driver who's trying to prove himself, you know, just building off of something from last year can't even do that. Yeah, it just – it feels kind of unnecessary because ultimately what's Front Row going to do? Sign Zane Smith. Zane Smith is too hot of a prospect for Front Row Motorsports long-term, in my opinion. I just don't think that relationship would ever stick long-term. So is it really worth it to go out and you know give him a seat for six races this year and probably really sour the relationship with Todd Gilland, who's a driver that I could have seen giving consistency to that 38 car? But it just, I don't know, Bob, it, it doesn't make the most sense to me because it just feels like a, a kind of a, a high risk, low reward type of situation because it's like you don't have much of a chance of convincing Zane Smith to stay with you lifetime. But I think you had a better chance with Todd Gilbert. And, you know, it, it's almost as if, I don't know, it, it's like chopping chopping your arm off to spite your hand in a way. It just feels a little bit, it'll feel a little bit over dramatic on front rows part. It's not like they're going to be super competitive in that car to win races week to week. So what's the rush? I don't, I don't know. I just don't get it personally. No, I don't either. I'm just kind of disappointed. And I, I don't think Todd Gillen, you know, was hiding his frustration. You looked on his Twitter, all of his likes were either people supporting him in the comments or people kind of bashing front row saying, you know, this was kind of pulling the rug out from under because you know, at the end of the day, they announced him being a full-time driver two weeks ago before the clash. And when you do that, you have the expectation that he's going to be in that seat for all 36 races. He'll be eligible for the playoffs. If he somehow wins a race. Now, if he wins a race, he's going to have to find a seat in the field for those other six races or up to six races. They've said, I'm not saying Todd Gillen's a, you know, a playoff threat out here, but if he wins, you know, a Daytona race early or a Talladega early, it puts him in a shitty spot because he's going to have to go out there and find, you know, a Rick Ware, a BJ McLeod type car where he's going to have to backtrack and just, you know, ride around and, you know, just be eligible more than anything. But again, I go back to it. It just shows front row's consistency there. They've, they've not been able to do this for the last five years with that 38 car. Just, you know, it shows the difference between a team like Front Row Motorsports and a team like Penske. Yeah, and then even a team like 2311, because it's another team that's yeah. almost directly comparable. It's two cars, but both cars have been competitive pretty quickly here. And a lot of that is because, you know, there's there's a good deal of money in 2311 that just isn't necessarily at 
that level for guys like Front Row and, you know, the Rick Wares and the other guy, like you just said, B.J. McLeod, who, for whatever reason, Bob, help me out. What's the name of the race team? Live Fast, Drive Slow. No, just Live Fast Motorsports. (laughs) Yeah, so Live Fast Motorsports. I don't know why, dude. That was just completely messing with my head. But Live Fast Motorsports. We don't talk about them much here. Not really, no. But luckily, that gets to change here tonight because Bob Pockers did an interview with BJ McLeod, kind of got asked the question that everybody in NASCAR who was watching any of the heat races wanted to know. Um, Why was that car so slow? And... Honestly, I got to give BJ McLeod a ton of credit because he was 100% candid, open, honest about the entire thing. Just said, look, man, we weren't prepared to bring this car. We are short on parts. We have all sorts of, you know, supply chain issues, all sorts of things going on right now in our shop. And we completely missed the setup. And, you know, Bob, hand up. I'm a little bit critical of teams who roll around in the back like that and and that type of thing. Because it's like, why, why even show up? And... It just goes to show you that these guys are trying, but at the end of the day, getting setups and stuff like that for these types of cars is just incredibly difficult. And it, it almost makes you appreciate how good and consistent some of the top teams are. That, but that, that interview was really telling to me, Bob. Definitely. You're definitely right about you know the appreciation for those bigger teams and the consistency, especially with the new car, because... You got to see – I love the perspective from BJ. I, I love that Bob Parker's kind of talked to some of those guys you don't really hear from ever. You don't interview. You don't get to hear their stories because, like you said, Ed, we're very – I mean, let's call it what is uh, negative toward these back charter teams, especially like Live Fast, like Rick Ware Racing. And, you know, they're – like you said with Front Row, they don't have the money that they can compete with a team like Penske. There's just a little bit different money thrown around there. And for someone like them, you know, BJ was saying – not only did you know you not come prepared, you know we are at part shortages. We rolled the car off on Wednesday and had it. You know we're in LA by Friday. Most of those teams had that car prepared a week, two weeks in advance. They got it ready 48 hours before they showed up in LA. They had to literally pack the car as it was finishing up. I mean, it just shows that you know teams like this. It's not the lack of talent with BJ McLeod as a driver. I'm sure if you put him in, you know a you know, Hendrick Motorsports car, he could probably get you a decent result. It's not that he's not talented, it's just that these teams don't have the funding. They don't have the resources. It shows the gap in this sport. And, you know, I hate it because like you said, they, they did, you know, improve as the day went on. They just rolled off the truck so slow and so, you know, not ready that it shows the, the level of uh, talent and preparedness that you need to be to be competitive at this level. Yeah. And it's one of these things to where it's like, you know, NASCAR has done what they seem to believe will make things even by just kind of bringing everything to a very standard cost and making people understand what they're spending and the single, you know, single supplier, that type of thing. But at the end of the day, you're never going to be able to make up for the lack of R and D and the lack of just straight manpower that, that an organization like LiveFast just lacks compared to a Hendrick or Joe Gibbs or stuff like that, because it's just a bigger business. I mean, it's like, it's like asking, a, you know, like a corner store, like a corner mom and pop, like neighborhood diner to compete with McDonald's. It's like, of course, McDonald's is going to win, not because their food's any better, but just because they've got so much more, so much more revenue and so many more avenues to make money and to, to make positive changes that if they need something, they don't even have to think about it. They just buy it. And then you get some of these smaller teams who, you know, 
you have to think, okay, am I, am I improving my suspension or, you know, shoot, am I getting, am I getting another, you know, 20 sets of tires or whatever that I need for the next few weeks. And you have to make that decision. So I feel for a lot of these teams, the perspective really kind of opened my eyes. It was really cool to hear him get very, very candid. It it just is a a perspective of the sport that you don't see often. That's the thing, Ed. You you mentioned the perspective. It's so easy to go around and just, we do it at this podcast. We're the armchair driver. We're the couch racer. Where we, oh, those guys are uncompetitive. Take their charter away. They're just, you know, riding around for the check. These guys are competitive. They're, you know, this is their living too. They don't want to go around and be, you know, five, six seconds off the pace at a small track like uh, the Coliseum being, you know, four or five tenths off the pace. It sounds like it's a little bit. It's a massive difference at a, at a quarter mile. So um, I hope for their sake that they can kind of, you know, find some speed. Like you said, with the new car, it's supposed to be a new playing field and even playing field. But you know, at the end of the day, money talks and these teams that have the resources are going to find ways to get faster. And these teams like, you know, live fast are going to have to find ways to survive and, you know, fight and claw their way to, you know, some competitive races. So do you, let me ask you this, Bob, because it's one of those things. Do you think NASCAR in their kind of quest for equity, we'll call it, or, you know, I don't, I don't even know if it's equity, equality. I'm not necessarily sure what they're looking for, but do, should NASCAR be taking some money and kind of making like a very basic level R and D type of thing that all the team just have very standard data provided by NASCAR so that that way people show up to different tracks and let's say that you want to, you know, try and race your way in or something like that. You at least have some data, even if you've never been to the track before. Do you think, I don't know. It just, it's one of these things where it's like, how far does NASCAR have to go in order to make sure that this playing field is level or should they, I don't honestly, I don't think they should, but I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinion. Yeah, I, I won't make it too long. I don't think they should just because I think that's the partnerships and the alliances you get with the manufacturers. And, you know, you get some alliances like, you know, you saw, I believe it was um, somebody left SHR. Uh, was it uh, Starcom or was it uh, it wasn't Live Fast? It was one of the, the smaller charter teams that moved from SHR to the Chevy side. Um, it, it just, you know, teams like that, they're not going to share you know, R&D development and, you know, crazy little details, but they'll, you know, get you the general idea. You know, Fords are going to stick together. The Chevys will stick together. There's going to be enough research and development that goes around that, you know, they're not just going to be, you know, abominably slow. I think that the Clash was an exception with Live Fast. I'm hoping so. Um, But, you know, you never know. It's been kind of the same the last few years anyway. Yeah. Kind of a weird thing to look at. Um, You know, just that perspective is, is always interesting because, you know, we like, we like to, we like to, kind of, you know, take a look at this sport from the front back so we don't spend a lot of time looking at those charters or kind of discussing the issues that they run into. So it's very cool to get BJ McLeod's perspective on the whole thing, Bob. But perspective seems to be the word of the day here on episode 42 of the Breaking Balls podcast, Bob, because this Sunday there is a football game that, well, it's big to say the least. It's super, as the kids would call it. And the Philadelphia Eagles are going to play Kansas City Chiefs in Glendale, Arizona. Bob, I am looking forward to this game like no other. And we've got a very special treat for the Super Bowl. Bob, I will let you explain our treat to our guests because you teased it earlier. Now give it to them, Bob. 
Yes, yes, we've uh, we've got my uh, one of my best friends from college, Mr. Sam Upman, coming on. I went to University of Missouri with Sam, known him a long time. And what drew me to Sam originally, obviously, besides uh, you know our, our love for football and you know just fine American culture, was that, that man is passionate about his football. Not only does he love it, he he's passionate. And I, I've mentioned on the podcast multiple times here at he's you know I'm the Titans fan. He's the the, the Chiefs equivalent of of Titan Bob. Bob, I will say this much about Sam from meeting him. Now, we, we recorded this before. We recorded, we're going to do a little bit of time, time traveling because we recorded this before. We're recording this after we recorded with Sam. Sorry to break everybody's minds there. But in my short time that I met Sam, I had not met Sam before this. This was our very first interaction. I have learned two things. One, Sam Hutman loves the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City twos. And two, Sam Hubman hates Adam O'Shea. And that, I'll say it. it yes. Uh, this, this, whole, this whole beef ad started because you said the Chiefs weren't going to make the playoffs in probably episode three of Breaking Ball. Sam Hubman is our day one listener of this podcast. And he had it out from you from the start, Ad. And he's been itching to get you. We finally made it happen here. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited for the listeners to have this moment in time. This was really special for me having, you know, both of you kind of worlds colliding here. But before we do it, I got I to gotta give a little analysis of the game from say, my perspective as a biased man. You guys Bob, got to yell. And you, I sat there quiet, I was gonna which say, is hard Bob, to do. You guys will hear it in a little bit here, but Bob did a wonderful job as the moderator of this. He got between in between two of his friends, really kind of, you know, like a – like a true political debate, I had to cut people off. You, you, you'll hear it here in a minute. But the one thing we didn't get was, Bob, your perspective on the Super Bowl. You've heard both both of your friends kind of give their, give their takes on the whole thing. So before you, we let the people listen to the argument, Bob, let's, let's get your take on the whole thing. What do you think this Super Bowl is going to look like? I think it's going to look like a very passionate uh, fan bases colliding in Arizona. I mean, when you think of the Chiefs and you think of Eagles, you think of some strong fan bases that don't mince their words about uh, their team. So uh, not only that, you know, high-flying offenses on both sides of the ball. Really, what the main thing that jumps out to me, Ad, besides, you know, obviously the talent, the Eagles by far, I think, overall A to Z, I think are a better team. But when you take Patrick Mahomes and you, you take Travis Kelce and you take Andy Reid, you take uh, Chris Jones, the Chiefs have an even playing field there. So it really is a, a very, very fun matchup to look at this. The big thing that jumps out to me is what a change, though, the Chiefs had from the Bucks Super Bowl, I think three three years ago, four years ago, when it was Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. But that offensive line got absolutely decimated, absolutely murdered by the Buccaneers. And they completely retooled it after that. All rookies, all young guys, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, you've got – different tackles in there for Mitchell Schwartz and, and first overall pick Eric Fisher at one point. Uh, they've completely revamped that line. It's a new Chiefs team, and I'm very excited to see what a new-look Kansas City Chiefs team looks like in the Super Bowl. And we've given enough time to the Eagles here, so I'm going to give the Chiefs a little bit of a talk here. Just because, you know, you get Mahomes, you have Kelsey. This is a big moment for them. You know, this is ring number two. They can, you know, get that gap closer to Brady. Andy Reid can have that another ring. For the Eagles, this is a young team that's still building towards something, I think. So I'm very curious to see the combination of the clash here. If the game is about running the ball, I think the Eagles win. But if it becomes a shootout, I think the Chiefs win. 
All right. I heard Eagles win in there somewhere, so I'll just hang my hat on that, and we can continue having a podcast. For the sake of the podcast, I cannot straight up say that the Chiefs are going to win or the Eagles are going to win. I can't say that because Sam and Adam would absolutely rip me to shreds, America. So for that sake, I'm going to give you those two options here, and we'll see what happens. But uh, very excited, Ad. It's going to be a great game on Sunday. We'll we'll, uh, we'll talk a little bit more here in a second because, folks, without further ado, I would like to introduce you to the friend of the Bob Bull, we've claimed it, Sam Upman versus Adam O'Shea, the Chiefs versus the Eagles, the first ever Breaking Balls debate. All right, everybody, we teased it at the beginning. It is time. We had our Super Bowl preview earlier, but this is the real Super Bowl preview, if we're going to be honest here. We have fight night here. We wanted to have some real representation on this podcast, not, you know, some analyst from ESPN, from Fox. We brought people in from the streets of Kansas City and from the streets of L.A. slash Philadelphia, partially. My co-host, Adam O'Shea, obviously is a noted Philadelphia Eagles fan here. But, folks, he created a monster when he when he said on the first three, four episodes, Ad, that the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs. You created an enemy. And in comes Sam Upman, the fight and pride of Kansas City, Missouri, who has been calling out Adam all season from week one when the Chiefs dominated the Arizona Cardinals till now. The Super Bowl matchup he wanted, he got. Adam and Sam, it's the face-off. Sam, welcome to Breaking Balls. Thank you for having me. First time, long time. Oh, it is. It is good. I know you were chomp at the bits to, to get a hold of my co-host, and I'm trying to play partial here because this is the friend of the Bob Bull we have dubbed it here at Breaking Balls. Adam in the Philadelphia corner, Sam in the Kansas City corner. I've known you two just about the same amount of time. I consider you both top five, top ten, dear, dear friends. I count my family on the friendship there. Sorry, guys. It's just part of the thing. But, Sam, I know you've been waiting to get a hold of Ad. Adam O'Fraud, I believe you've called him. Here you go. Here's your moment. You know, Adam, I'm looking forward to this. I've hated you for a long time now. Um, I will continue to hate you, and I hope that uh, the Chiefs really just stick one to the Eagles. So um, I appreciate you guys having me. Not really as much appreciate, appreciation to you, Adam, but thank you, Bob, for having me. I'm a big fan of uh, Breaking Balls presented by Bob. So, Adam, any, any, any rebuttal right there before, um, you know? Nothing, your podcast. Too, no, yeah, well, um, it's, welcome it's to the more, Breaking Balls podcast. podcast. Well, <laughs> I guess we could ask who edits it. Who uh, I, I don't know. We could just go. We could just go from there. But um, everybody yeah. knows who I am at this point. Um, I am the cocky Eagles fan on the show. Um, if you have followed our social media, you may have seen Sam in our comments coming at me viciously. <laughs> like a pit bull at Michael Vick's house circa 2000. Eh, I don't know, you call it. But it has been rough for me. Former Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Michael Vick, by the way. But, Sam, I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. It's nice no. to meet you. I don't hate you. I love you. And the fact is, is that we're going to grow old together, and we're going to be best friends, and we're going to cuddle. And you're gonna Welcome to Thunderdome. See you there. Thunderdome. Listen, folks that are that are listening here, I've known these two for five, six, seven, ten years. It's been a, I, I can't keep track anymore. But these two men are passionate about their football. They love their families. And let me tell you, if it wasn't about their, their fandoms right now, these two men would get along way too well, and I might get phased out of this podcast. So I have to keep a little friction here. 
Adam, obviously we know about your Philadelphia fandom, but Sam, for those of us at Breaking Balls that don't know you and your passion, why are you qualified to kind of, you know, be the spokesman for the Chiefs here today? Well, I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. I grew up 15 I'm minutes sorry. in the stadium. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you just, you said you grew up in the Midwest. I had to apologize. Sorry. No, go ahead. My bad. You know, I... You know, Bob, it's really hard sometimes to to be with to be with someone who's a coastal elitist like him. You know, he's uh, he's from Los Angeles and claims to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I actually have something written down right here um, where Adam represents. He looks like he's just a populist guy, big old populist guy. He he's from L.A. Twelve point five million people live there in that area. Philadelphia, 6.3 million people. You know, he, he's a coastal elitist. I get it. Like, he, he forgets about where his food comes from. He forgets about where <laughs> where the good, hardworking people of, of America really lie. And that's in the heartland in, in the Midwest and the South, you know, where football reigns, where football is king. And, uh, you know, representing Kansas City of 2.2 million people in the area. You know, it's it, – it, I'm here to take on Goliath. And uh, just letting you know, it uh, didn't work out too well for Goliath when David whooped his ass. So, wow, mm-hmm. wow. Well, I, you know, I, I think we should just get right into this, folks. We've got a four-leg battle here. They're going to argue offense, defense on one side and the other. They're head coaches, and then I'm giving them a double points round at the end here. And this is all going to be timed here by your your moderator, Bob. A two-minute segment at the end where they can either slander the other city or they can talk about why their fan base is better. And I really – that's going to be my favorite part of this. But, you know, Sam, since this is a football podcast, we have to do it right. This is going to start with a coin toss. You know, we're going to give you first choice here. Would you like to, you know, Chiefs offense, Chiefs defense? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, the Chiefs offense first. All right, all right. Ad heads are, or I, I messed that completely up here, but you did terribly. But okay. I messed it. Nope, let's do it. Ad, go ahead and call it in the air. Heads or tails. All right, sounds good. Let me know. Give me like a three, two, one, because there's no way I'm seeing this All on right. the camera. That's 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 fair. Three, two, one. Heads. Oh, what a, was that even flipped? I tossed it up, and it it, it kind of swiveled in the air. Okay, it's heads. It's okay. heads. So. Um, would you like to go first or second? I would like to defer my choice to the final two minutes. I would like to select who goes first in the final two minutes. Okay. Okay. That's, that's defer. fine. So Sam, you, you chose, Chief, you chose, you chose chiefs offense, correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, Sam, the floor is yours. Why is the chiefs offense going to beat the Eagles defense? Well, the number one thing is that three of the best players on the field tonight, or the three best players in the field tonight, or on Sunday, are the Chiefs players. The three of the three best players on the field taking that field will be Chiefs players, and it is Patrick Mahomes. Number one, he is the best player in the NFL. Not even close, by far the best. The ankle is a long way from the heart, and I can tell you this much: if you bet against him, you're you're going in the wrong direction. Uh, not only that, he's got Travis Kelsey, who is the best tight end in the league, the best tight end possibly ever, I think ever. He's the most dominant 
tight end I've ever seen. He'll he'll have more receiving yards than most receivers will ever come close to. Um, and then Patrick, I'm just going to go back to Patrick Mahomes. Best player, not even close. No one can stop him. His, I believe his worst game, he still threw for like 250 yards in the NFL. Worst game ever is 250 yards. You know, I mean, you know, people are going to say that, the, oh, the Eagles pass, pass rush this. Oh, the Eagles pass rush pass rush that but I can tell you this much that offensive line held their own and really just dominated the Bengals defensive line last week in that pass rush and guess what they were number two in this in the playoffs that that pass rush why can't we do it to the number one team in the pass rush well add you know Patrick Mahomes is a pretty damn good argument I'm not gonna lie to you there I'm inclined to agree with Mr. Upman on this but Eagles defense is pretty strong what do you have to say I can't, you know, I will I will have to concede the fact that when the, the Chiefs offense is on the field, Sam's right. The three best players are on the Chiefs. That being said, three through ten may be more Eagles than Chiefs, in my opinion, because that Eagles front seven is nasty. I mean, yeah, a lot of people like to talk about the sack numbers, and I will because they're impressive. They They got to the quarterback a ton this year. And, you know, that's even with the Carson Wentz ankle game where they just kind of went off and teed off on him. I think they had, in a three-week span, they had most of their sacks. But even as of late, they've been finding a way to get to the quarterback, and they've been getting there creatively and in a way that allows them to rush with four, which I think if you're going to be Patrick Mahomes and contain this Chiefs offense, you've got to get home with four. And if there's a defensive line in the league that is built to get home with four, it's the Eagles. And my question is, how do those DBs look? Lately, it's been good, but hasn't been the same competition. The Chiefs, I think they're going to sorely, 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 sorely miss Tyreek Hill in this game because it would have been nice to be able to stretch these Eagles out, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Eagles cover them all down the field. Patrick Mahomes is going to loop around, limp around, and the Eagles got him. And that's time. I gave I gave you five extra seconds there, Ad. You're welcome. Sam, uh, I'll give you five seconds next time. I'll, I'll even put the clock up so you guys know. Ad, since we're going to go in a snake order here, though, we'll have Sam rebuttal here in a little bit. But Eagles offense versus the Chiefs defense, I mean, Jalen Hurts against a young Chiefs secondary seems pretty promising. No, go ahead. Clock is yours. I'll say this. The city of Philadelphia, Bob, gives you a little bit of every culture you want in America. And dare I say it, the Eagles offense does just about the same. You want to throw the ball? We can throw the ball. We got A.J. Brown, all sorts of hulks that are fat, slow. Who knows how hulky they are? Nobody really wants to know what Superman they are. They can run the ball at will, ad nauseum. I think Jason Kelsey is going to manhandle manhandle Chris Jones all game. I don't think it's going to go as well as you think it is, sweetheart, because when you're six feet tall and you've got leverage, you're going to dominate. And I think you're going to get dominated up front all game. And I'm going to be sitting there with a soft pretzel and a cheesesteak watching the Rocky movies before the game to make sure that I am just in the right mindset. Maybe listen to a little bit of boys to men for the national anthem. And we are going to absolutely shit kick the ball down the field. Well, you know, if you have a dollar for every time Adam mentions Rocky, first of all, you're going to be able to buy a nice Super Bowl wager on uh, on Sunday. But anyway, Ad, 
you know, he, I'm not going to argue, except for A.J. Brown. I don't want him to win a ring. That's just selfish reasons. Sam, mm-hmm. why can the Chiefs defense, which has been kind of, everyone's been shitting on the Chiefs D. I'm going to just tell you this right now. Not a lot of respect for those gentlemen when, you know, they've made it this far. Why is the Chiefs defense going to be the difference against the Eagles offense? Well, you know, they've been outperforming everyone on the AFC side this this playoffs. They've been the best unit in the AFC playoffs this year, AFC side of the bracket. I think that that's not even close. They have, you know, they really handled the Jaguars very well. Jaguars, you know, they're they're the Jags, but you know what? They're still they still are a playoff team. And then Joe Burrow, everyone's talking about Joe Burrow this, Joe Burrow that. Well, guess what? The Chiefs' defense really held them to 13 points if it weren't for, to be honest, a really bad turnover by Patrick Mahomes. And then not only that, Chris Jones is possibly the best player on the field. I think it's still Patrick Mahomes, but he's number two, and I think it's closer than you think. I think Chris Jones is going to dominate. Not He's not going to be on Jason Kelsey all night. Like They're going to move him around. They're going to put him in different spots. Like You can sit here and say that him and Jason are going to be going at it the entire time. Maybe, maybe not. Put him on the edge. Um, but, I mean, our, our secondary is young, but they're they're very, very good, and I'm very proud of how they've been playing this entire offseason. Well, if you're watching on video, that's the, that's the only round I'm going to hold the camera up because that was a lot of work, and that uh, was just you know, too much for me. But, actually I, you know, Sam? On camera. That's okay. That is, I'm glad you actually timed that perfect then on the countdown there because it literally hit zero as you wrapped up. Well done. Mm-hmm. Man's done a debate or two. I'm impressed there. He's he's done debate club, but well, I mean, it's fair to you know if 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 you're watching on the uh, on the video here, you'll notice that uh, Sam's internet has gone out because I guess the coastal elites who handle that little thing called the internet maybe don't like don't like don't like where you're living, Sam. I'm just I don't know, man. How's the internet? Are you okay? Oh no, no he. So I mean the internet's fine. Oh thank God. Here, oh thank God. Here we're you know, we're hardworking people. We're hardworking people here. You know? You know, we'll we'll get through it. We're gonna grit it through. Um, unlike people from California that would probably just sit there and complain about it. You know, we're just gonna work through it. You know, we're gonna mention it, just say, Hey, this is what's going on, we're gonna move past it. You know. Yeah. It's real. Yeah, uh, hey, hey well, remember, be careful. Uh, the, the moderator just, here is in the south with Ad. Just be careful well, with with Sam. Just be I careful. Can, hey, Bob, I, I can see you perfectly fine. That's what all I need. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, our I, internet works together. I, Maybe it's I, just you, Ad. I, I just think that it's it's really nice that Adam. That we don't have to see Adam anymore. I mean, it, it, all right, you're you're, you're, you're trying to bait me to the Sam. We're getting back in. We're getting back into this. No, I'm not having this. I'm not getting baited. You know what? At least where I come from, a family plan is just an internet service thing. <laughs> Before this gets too off the rails, let's get back. We've got we've got two more segments here. He's really original. Let's get through this one here. Uh, xenophobic with these xenophobic uh, things here. You know, just saying, just saying. He, you know, guy, guys Ooh. really hating on. He hates. He hates. Hates on people's zip codes and everything. I did. What are you talking about? The Xenon really movie sad, was great. You know, the Xenon movie was just fine. I didn't like it. I liked it. It was on Disney Channel. I watched it. I liked it. I don't know what you're talking about. Throwing out these allegations. Listen, before we do any more of this culture warm, before Andrew Chait shows up in the studio, I'm going to go ahead and move us on to the next segment here. Sam, again, it is in your court. You get to debate why Andy Reid is the better coach. Obviously, 
he's the better cook, but why is he the better coach? Because he's Andy Reid, and Andy Reid's just a better coach than Nick Sirianni. I think that that's just – it's proven. Do, do you trust Nick Sirianni? Do you? Is, is he going to – because I don't think you, you do. I think there's part of you that just sits there and is just like, you know, this guy's trying too hard to appease the people of Philadelphia who just – to be honest, you can't really appease them. They hate you if you if you appease them. And you know, he's. Some people are saying, not me, that just like our, just like, uh, you know, Adam here, he's a fraud. Um, you know, people are thinking that. Um, just saying, you know, Nick Sirianni, I don't trust him. No one should trust him. I think that uh, I, I just don't believe in him. Andy Reid's proven it. He's completely proven it. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been. He's a winning winning coach. He's done that his entire career. I believe he's fifth all time in wins. You know, I, you're going to trust him. He's eating cheeseburgers all week. He's going to be, you know, talking about how much he loves cheeseburgers just nonstop. And, you know, he gets a pregame, you know, maybe hopefully his son doesn't do anything dumb this time. And, and, uh, but I think, think we're good on that. I think he's, I think, I think we're good on Brit not showing up on this one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, no distractions this, this week. And, you know, Fair enough. just saying, has Andy Reid off a bye? Kind of, this is pretty much a bye. Yeah, no, so. that's that's hard to argue. Add, uh, you know, I will say Nick Sirianni, uh, his daughter has not committed any manslaughter that we know of at five years old. So, you know, I'm kind of giving Sirianni at least the point there in the family household. But give it. He's years. a younger. Oh, that's well. Wow. You could give fifteen. Him a fifteen. Sam has given the daughter fifteen. All right. You, I mean, you could give him a point in the family category, but just not on the criminal record. Sirianni's good on the criminal record. I'm like, you know, obviously. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, um, is this add why Sirianni? Yep, no. this is your turn. Go for it. All right. You know what, Sam? It, it was really nice of you because you said it. You said, "Hey, Andy Reid's one of the most winningest coaches of all time." And I'm here to remind you that before Andy Reid ate cheeseburgers, that motherfucker ate cheesesteaks. And he ate them for my entire childhood, too. And he loved them. Pat's, Geno's, everywhere. And he's going to see the Midnight Green. And you know what You know what Andy Reid does when he sees the Midnight Green? He shits the bed. It was something I had to watch and grew up with my entire childhood. We would get into an important scenario and would run right down his leg. And luckily, you guys got him some Tums because we don't believe in Tums in Philadelphia. We gut out. And I mean gut out the anti-acid. But what I will say is, yes, Nick Sirianni is cheesy. And to go ahead and commemorate how cheesy he is, I've got quotes. Ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do. Attitude determines how well you do it. Lou Holtz, Nick Sirianni. Leadership is a matter of having people look you and gain confidence. And if you're in control, they're in control. Tom Landry, quote, Nick Sirianni. He's going to basically walk into a home goods and assemble the pregame speech, and the Eagles are going to win anyway, and I hope that makes you feel dumb. Wow. We are getting dangerously close to some WWE promos, and I can't tell you how excited I am. That was amazing. Um Real quick, Sam, any rebuttals? I mean, that's a great point about the Andy Reid thing, I will say. You know, I think it just speaks to the fact that he won in Philadelphia despite their losing culture and their losing mentality. And Who uh, built the culture? He built it. He was the culture. And then Chip Kelly came and Kevin Cobb did. Corn on the cob. 
Kevin Cobb. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying he, he came. He came to a. He came to Kansas City. Had a little bit of taste of that barbecue. Had a little bit of saw that Midwest grit and was like, these people deserve it. These people live and breathe football. They're, everything you want out of well, football. yeah, of course they, Andy of course they live and eat, yeah. breathe football. There's nothing else to live for, or do there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Before this gets too personal, it's time for my favorite part the the double round, the the big boy round here. This is where you can literally take a WWE promo if you want and cut it into your own city. You can you know shake hands and be gentlemen about this. I have a feeling that's not going to happen okay. here. Yeah, that's kind of what I had a feeling there. Oh, if we're ever going to go viral, folks, it's going to be from this segment right here. I have a feeling. So without further ado, I believe Adam deferred. Is that correct on this? I did defer. Is that, is that correct? The... I'm going second. All right. Mr. Sam Upman, the floor is yours. Two minutes, whatever you want to say about Philadelphia, about their fan base, or about why the Chiefs fan base is better. Well, I just want to start out by saying, you know, Kansas City, we're not, you know, I'm going to eight mile us. You know, we're not L.A. We're not New York. We're not Chicago. Um, we don't want to be them. We don't want to be that. We love who we are. You know, it's it's OK that coastal elites like, you know, Adam O'Fraud over there, you know, look, you know, look down upon us because we know what we are. We know that we're the good people who really who really are the backbone of this country. Um, you know, it, everything everything that you want out of people and all the, all the good and kindness of people's hearts is in Kansas city. Now, with that being said, um, I just have a few things about California high school football and how, and cause I, I heard that Adam's passionate about that. Um, I think it's the most overrated state when it comes to high school football. Um, they really go Ooh. based off quantity over quality. There are only two players um, in the Super Bowl that attended college in California. So, you know, even if they do produce people, no one wants to stay there in California. You know, it's Juju and Ronald Jones. They, they, those are the only two players who played college football in California. Um, you know, they are sixth, despite being the most populous state, they have, they're sixth on the amount of players in the Super Bowl um, behind state, good states like Ohio, Texas, Florida, Louisiana and, and Mississippi, um, you know, and, you know, he, I heard that he sacked that, that Adam O'Fraud sacked Josh Rosen. And I got to say, that's not that impressive. He was, he was, you know, it's, it's Josh Rosen. Got him by, got him um, by but, the nose. Know, I didn't even get a face masking yeah, penalty either. I got him by the nose. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, and I also want to point out, um, I went ahead and looked up the the uh, offensive lines in in Philadelphia and Kansas City. Did you know uh, none of them on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, no linemen are from California? We don't produce you know, fat people. Good, the, I'm, the hard, I'm an anomaly the, here. We produce we well, produce skinny um, athletic people. I'm the fat anomaly. I, I'm looking at this Georgia, Ohio, Oklahoma. Tennessee, Michigan, North Carolina, Ohio. Okay, these Oregon, are all states Texas. where they sell baskets then, of fries. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, it's it's the most overrated, overrated, you know, state for high school football. It's it's just a fact. You know, per capita, I would I would take about 
I would say if you went per capita, they're probably about 30th in the country um, on quality of high school football athletes, if you went per capita. Um, and then my last heading things are reason are reasons why um, Eagles fans suck. 1968, you know, they booed. Oh, here we Santa. go. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I love Santa. I, a point, I, Ad. Let him finish. I love Santa. I love. I think that Santa is a good person. He gives people a lot of smiles. You know, Adam probably probably got Cole as a kid because he's a piece of shit. But that's okay. Uh, 1999, Michael Irvin. You know, they booed Michael Irvin after his career-ending injury when he was part it. of the field. Um, and then Doug Peterson said that Eagles fans would throw D batteries at players. And then let, let's also not forget the animal abuse that goes on there. Um, you know, an Eagles fan punched a police horse in 2018. <laughs> and, you know, just to end this out, I, I just want to say, you know, we, we want to do this for Lenny Dawson, RIP Lenny, smoking Lenny Dawson, uh, go Chiefs. And I'm looking forward to this Super Bowl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. For for those keeping track at home, I gave Sam a little extra time there because it was so spirited and I didn't have the heart Damn to cut right. him off there. Damn so. right it was. I knew it took too much time, but that's okay. I don't care. I don't care, Sam. Your passion gets you extra time. It's like extra credit here. That's fine. Add my co-host, my Eagles fan. Piece of the floor shit. is yours. You know, Bob, <laughs> um, I've, I've come to visit you, visit you once. And as I was flying, flying from California to Tennessee – much like Jason Aldean, I looked out the window and looked down at all those fucking flyover states. And somewhere down there, for whatever odd reason, out of the corner of my eye, I looked down and I said, holy shit, is that Overland Park, Kansas? And nonetheless, there that motherfucker was. A lovely city filled with shopping malls, a high school, a racetrack not too far by. But Overland Park, Kansas is coming into my podcast and telling me that for some odd reason, I have to ignore the fact that the city of Philadelphia houses Will Smith, Boys to Men, the Philly fanatic, gritty, nonetheless, Mike Trout, ever heard of him? I mean, I'm just saying, there's no, a lot no, of big names from actually. Philadelphia. Oh, by the way, have you ever heard of the United States of America? Because the first capital was Philadelphia, sweetheart. Little country, may have heard of it, won a couple world wars. You're welcome. And you threw out all those. It, and yet they lost it. They lost that title. So You threw out all those names that didn't say Lil Uzi Vert. But anyway. We were getting there after Meek Mill. <laughs> but at this point. Nelly, Metro Boomin, just saying. At this point, we've turned this into an all-out war against what is the sixth largest economy in the world that belongs in the state of the California. The governor came from California. Arnold Schwarzenegger, ever heard of him? Any movie you've watched in the last decade, Sam, ever heard of it? Yeah, California. The reason you have so many Georgia. farms surrounding you. You know why? You're welcome. You're welcome because we are consuming it at alarming rates. And it is a lovely. But you know what? You mentioned all the heinous things that Philadelphia fans have done. But for some odd reason, you thought that you could take the sting out of killing someone in a DUI accident by mentioning it beforehand. But no, no, no. We are going to bring it up because at this point, 
I love Andy Reid as much as his kid loves pills. But at this point, I cannot root for him. I simply cannot. And it's going there. It's deeply personal. You've taken it to a point where now I have to defend California high school football. Because for some odd reason, I drove by and saw a University of Arizona billboard on a California freeway the other day recruiting a kid. But this isn't a desirable area, ladies and gentlemen. There was a true freshman who walked on at Michigan and started and was a freshman All-American from Southern California, but not able to produce anything. We've got athletes. And guess what? Juju Smith, you mentioned it. Guess who tiffled Juju Smith in high school? And guess who's going to tiffle him all night long in fucking Glendale, Arizona. I'll see you there. The world's excited. I'm excited. Cheese steaks and soft pretzels for everyone. Sam, after this, we will become fast friends. But until then, go fuck yourself. Uh, I, I don't think that Adam will be winning the Jovan Belcher Fan of the Year Award at the at the Chiefs Stadium at any time soon. But um, if you don't know who that is, Google it. I'm not going to explain it on this podcast. I don't want to bring the mood down. Anyway, add Sam... God bless you both. I, as as the moderator here, I'm drained just listening to that because I could tell you both poured your heart and soul in because these fan bases are passionate. These fan bases care probably a little too much. And as a Titans fan, I'm kind of jealous. But that being said, fellas, I, I – oh, oh, that was not me that clicked this. That, this podcast has been hijacked again. Oh, boy. That's crazy that you did that. That's nuts. Here, I got something better. Actually, well, you know what, Sam? Real quick. You know what, Sam? Got an extra minute, so I'm going to take extra 30 seconds. We're doing an overtime bit here. Because you know what, ladies and gentlemen? At the end of the day, I've got something to say here. Oh, no. The Chiefs did have a good season, and they made me shut the hell up about not making the playoffs. But at the end of the day, Sam, what they are going to do is make you legally change your name. Because by the time the Philadelphia Eagles are done with the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday, you will be down so bad that it will not be legally responsible. It will be criminally negligent to call you by your proper Christian name at the moment. So we are going to have to change it. So for the last time, goodbye, Sam Upman. And thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Well, Sam, 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 we didn't actually kick you off the podcast here. I mean, he, Adam doesn't have that power to do that. I'm still, I still have a little leeway here, buddy. I spilled my water. <laughs> that was the best timing ever for that. My Look, Atlanta. At, this point, at this point, spilling the water at all. Sam, please take care of that. Um, we're we're going to go ahead and sign off. Kick it back to whatever the heck we're kicking it back to. Uh-oh, here we go. There we go. Sam, just once again, as, as one as one of your friends here, God bless you for coming on. We really appreciate it. As you, one of our day one listeners at Breaking Balls, this is what happens when you have loyalty, folks. You get a little shout-out, a little relationship with the pod. You might get brought on here. So, you know, cozy up to our DMs. Sydney Sweeney, I will gladly have you on the show. Just saying. But otherwise, we will take Sam Upman every day of the week. I cannot wait for Sunday. I know both of you are going to be very passionate, but – um. I just hope we keep it clean here, fellas. I can't wait for a friendship that was bonded in hatred out of this out of this rivalry. I cannot yeah, wait. That, that, that probably won't happen. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I see it debatingly not happening. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably not. Yeah. One day when I have a bachelor party, when I find some unlucky woman, it's going to be a really awkward group because you two are probably going to be in it. But other than that, folks, this has been episode 42 of the Breaking Balls podcast, the Jackie Robinson podcast. Sam, since you're our guest, close it out for us. I'm just looking forward to the Chiefs winning. You know, I am hope both teams have fun, except for Adam O'Shea. You know, I, th- I, I hope everyone has fun but him. I think that uh, – there's a lot of good people in every area, except for, and uh, he's the exception to the rule. You know, I always said that, you know, 98% of people are good hearted and he's not one of them. So um, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it again. First time, long time and uh, go chiefs. I think that Adam can agree with Eddie, every part of that sentiment. So thank you for listening. We'll be back on Sunday night or Monday, probably to break it down wherever we'll be. <laughs>